Welcome to Beyond Better, a podcast that explores a simple but profound idea. We all deserve to live lives we love, and that includes our work lives too. I'm Stacey Ennis, an author and longtime location-independent entrepreneur living in Portugal with my family of four. Join me as I talk business, location independence, writing, travel, and so much more, all focused on building a life that is beyond better. Welcome, welcome. I am so excited today to introduce you to an incredible guest. We're going to be talking all about location independence, about um, what life is like abroad, some of the challenges and opportunities we have seen as humans and business owners. And we're also going to talk about how you can use content strategy to support the growth of your business so that you can eventually achieve your own goal of location independence if that is something you want to do. So I'm very pleased today to welcome Shaheen Samavadi. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Shaheen before I um, fully introduce her and, and welcome her to the show. So Shaheen is the CEO and co-founder of Vera Content, an agency that manages global social media and content marketing channels for international brands with a special focus on key European markets. After starting her career as a journalist in the US, she moved to Spain in 2010, where she completed an MBA at IE Business School, worked in corporate communication, and formed part of the founding team of real estate startup Spot a Home before launching Vera Content in 2016. Today, she oversees the company's talented team of 12 in-house staff members and more than 200 hand-picked freelancers who expertly tailor blogs, social media pages, and other marketing content for European markets and beyond. Shaheen also launched The Content Mix, a community for those looking to advance in their content careers, and founded SpainGuru.es, a resource for those immigrating to Spain. Shaheen, welcome. I'm so glad to have you today. Thank you, Stacey. It's great to be here. You and I um, bonded over some of our kind of mutual lifestyles. The fact that you live in Spain and I live in Portugal. In fact, are we like three and a half hour drive from each other? I think mm -hmm. we're both on the coast, not far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're both on the coast. And so that was such a wonderful way to connect with you. And then as we got to know each other a little bit uh, through an entrepreneur group we're in, I learned more about what you do and um, was so interested because I'm in the world of words, but you're in the world of like words all around the world, like making things accessible for all these different markets. So I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about this title of multilingual content expert. What is that? And what do you do as a multilingual content company? Right. So, um, well, I think I started Vera Content, uh, I think, because of my unique perspective, being a former journalist from the U.S. Uh, who's living in Europe. And um, and I, like you mentioned before, I've worked in marketing and corporate communication. So, like, in my experience doing that, I found it hard to find reliable providers who could work across different languages at to the to the level of um, quality that I expected as someone who has a background as a journalist. Um, so really, I started Vera Content uh, as a way to kind of 
to to solve that problem. I mean, uh, and because of my background as a journalist, I've really been working on applying editing processes and standards that I learned uh, to the art of global content creation um, and really being kind of like a one-stop shop, one uh, content creation company that can work across these languages in one language just as well as the other. And when we first started, actually, um, we only worked in a few languages and we've grown out from there. So because it really takes um, time to put the team and the processes in place to be able to do the level of quality in one language that you do in another. So yeah. It's it's interesting because I'd love for you to just um, dig in a little more on why does it matter that you have content actually created in that language? Because some people might be listening and thinking, you know, if they're global and they're shopping on, you know, websites or whatever, for example, I just ordered something off of a French website and I used Google Translate. It doesn't actually work that well for me to be able to really engage in what I'm buying. Um, but then you think about, especially brands with missions or storytelling, why do they really need to have content created in that specific language to reach that customer who speaks that language? Yeah, that's a good point. Like a lot of what we do is a combination of translation and original content creation, of course, depending on the project um, and the strategy of the company, because some sometimes content from one market is relevant to another and you can translate it. But of course, taking into account all the, the local nuances. Um, and uh, but when it comes to uh, there's also many of our clients who just have very different strategies in one one country to another. Uh, so they need, for example, they're focusing on a different product even or uh, just a different approach or there's different laws or regulations in this other country that means that the content would be different for example we did a big project for a real estate company about um that that was all about different things related to real estate laws so we had to like create different content like one that article wouldn't from one market wouldn't work in the other for example so it really depends on the project i should say but um yeah, the, the key is though that it has to be content that resonates with with the with the local audience. Yeah, I it's such an interesting area and I've learned a lot just getting to know you and really the importance of well also properly translating something for an audience so it actually makes sense. Anybody who lives abroad knows that using a translation app does not solve your problems. It is not sufficient to fully like experience something, communicate um, or understand. But I am curious, I wanna get back to, we'll get back, we're gonna loop back around to the content piece because there's so much that we can learn from you. Um, just, it's so much value that you can offer, especially since content is a big question mark for a lot of my audience and how do they create meaningful content consistently. So we're gonna loop back, but I'm gonna put a little bookmark there. I wanna start with um, how you ended up here. <laughs> Because you have a very unconventional life. We're both American. We both ended up in a very similar region of the world, but you moved here a lot earlier than I did. You've been here longer, much longer. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how did that journey unfold for you? How did you end up working in this uh, global company, this company that's very global and living a very, just a very different lifestyle than probably was, at least for me, I know I was presented with you know, you get married, you, uh, it, for most, much of the women in my community, you stay home. Um, and, and if you don't stay home, both, both, you know, both people are working and you work all day and then you go to soccer at night and on the weekends. And, you know, like it's a very, just like specific life. 
um, and, and you've ended up in a different place. So I want to hear a little bit about that backstory and what took you to living in Spain and running this amazing company. Yeah, um, well, I don't, so why I came to Spain in the first place, I, I mean, basically, um, I didn't have, well, basically, my, my reason for being interested in all things international in the first place, I guess, is that I came from an international family, my father's from Iran, um, but I never actually lived abroad until I was 27, uh, which is when I came to Spain uh, to do a master's program, and I guess it's something that I was always um, interested in in doing, especially in university, like doing study abroad, which I didn't do. So it's something I kind of pushed off to later. And I was like, okay, I um, now's my chance. I'm going to go study in Spain uh, to do a one-year master program. Then after the master, uh, I had the opportunity to, to do an internship that could have turned into a job and didn't. But anyway, I stayed another year after, after the master to do that. And then um, eventually ended up meeting my husband and that's how <laughs> one thing led to another. It's been over a decade and now I'm here to stay, I'd say. <laughs> um, yeah. Did that, was that the question? <laughs> yeah. It's, I, yeah. I'm curious. I know you said, you know, your, your father's background contributed to this interest and then of course the study abroad, but was there, you know, growing up, were you encouraged with this kind of global approach or was this something that, like, how did that grow within you? Yeah, I would say, um, well, because of just having the opportunity to travel as a kid, I think mm -hmm. uh, that it was something that I was interested in. And then university actually took part in, they ask you about your interests and when they're choosing your dorm. And I lived in this international dorm with like international students. Um, so I made a lot of friends from other parts of the world. And so, yeah, that just piqued my curiosity. And that's why I was kind of, I, it wasn't something I was sure about, but when I was uh, researching different master's programs, I was considering doing it in the US, but then it just seemed more and more attractive, the idea of traveling. And I definitely didn't expect to to stay in Spain so <laughs> funny how um, that ends up isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah. I thought I actually took a leave of absence from my job in the U.S. Uh, to come here so I was thinking to come back in a year potentially but I was also very open to opportunities and actually I was thinking of going to another country um, but yeah then I just loved Spain and <laughs> like why 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 somewhere else Spain is amazing. We, you know, we spent not some time in Granada, which is not too far from you. And we we're like, oh, we love it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, I, it's interesting because um, we share, so we don't share the international family dynamic. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a, a very homogenous, um, you know, Boise, Idaho is like, you know, 98% white, both of my parents are American, you know, we're, we're very just Amer normal American people. And um, we did a couple little inter, inter quote unquote international, like we went to Canada and we went to Mexico on a cruise. So that was like the extent, and those were wonderful trips, but it's not the same as like traveling back to Iran, for example. But um, for me, I read a lot. And so in my mind, I traveled to all these different locales. And um, I had this dream of moving to New York City because of a character in a book that I, in a book series that I was reading. But one thing we share is that um, I moved to, we moved to the Dominican Republic just after I graduated from college. So it was like that formative time. And I really credit a lot of who I am with that early, like early intervention of 
just seeing that there is more to the world, experiencing more of the world traveling. And I often think about if we hadn't have done that, where we would be today. And I have so much respect for families and just individuals who at an older age, you know, late 20s, 30s, 40s, beyond, who kind of up, upend everything and make make a move, even though they've been kind of following this this path for so long. And I'm I imagine a lot of people that are listening are kind of in that latter camp, like maybe didn't get to do what we did, which is live abroad really young and establish our lives that way. And I'm curious if you can offer any any insights or thoughts on on some of the things that have helped you kind of embrace this this life that you lead today and just a very different life than you had back home in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, I often think about what my life would have been like if I had just stayed in the U.S. and it would have been different in some ways, but in other ways, maybe the same, (laughs) because I think um, anywhere you live, you end up like getting into a routine. It's not like always so glamorous, like living in Spain. Um, I mean, I mainly do, you know, have my 40 hours a week of working. I have uh, my picking up my kids from daycare and and so forth. So yeah. yeah, I think though there's a lot of things that um, about my lifestyle that that I, I guess that I took some risks um, to achieve, but to to achieve like a lifestyle that it, that it works for me or that I that I wanted. And there's definitely things about the way I'm living now that like I'm glad that I chose. I guess, uh, for example, like I haven't driven a car really like since barely since I moved to Spain. Like I don't need to. It's very walkable. I really that's one thing I really like about living in Europe. Um, even when I lived in Cleveland, I was, uh, I really tried not to drive my car that much, <laughs> but it was hard. Uh, and I actually one time got my bike stuck in stuck in the snow. I was like an avid cyclist back in the day, <laughs> so I had to like walk back home because I just couldn't actually go on my bike. <laughs> um, and then also, <laughs> so Cleveland wasn't meeting my needs. <laughs> Um, that's why I moved I to the, the south of Spain. Have we, oh, yeah. we established this yet? I can't remember if we've shared this, but like, so I feel you. I had to walk. I went to graduate school in Cincinnati. So I experienced all those winters, like walking to the bus and yeah. it's, it's awful. Like if anybody has not experienced an Ohio winter, it is, it is not fun. <laughs> and Cleveland has got the lake effect. So it's on another wow. level of Cincinnati. Oh, wow. <laughs> Lots of snow. I've lived in two of the snowiest parts of the U.S. <laughs> I lived in Cleveland and I lived in Dover, New Hampshire. So in, in Boston and Cleveland are two of like the snowiest cities. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah. I mean, the other, other things about living in Spain, it, I mean, it's not so much living in Spain, but the fact that I'm an entrepreneur, I, I guess, has like allowed me to have a really flexible schedule and allows me to travel. And those are things that I really value, like being able to, um, of course, I work very hard and I sometimes work at strange times and things like that. But I also have the time when I need it to be with my family. And um, and like I said, to travel, being from the U.S., I really value being able to to work from there when I need to and, and go there whenever I want. So I think that's really critical. It's I actually just started working on a new book about location independence and just some of the vision, strategy, tactics, and just things that you need to do to, to accomplish that as a family. And originally I was planning to give kind of like a lot of space to the different ways that you can do 
this live abroad thing, this location independence thing. And I am going to address the many options. But then I, once I got into planning my book, I realized that the best, like I, I know that the best way is having a business. And so I'm really focusing on that for the book because to your point, well, you know, when you get a job abroad, you are, you are beholden to that job. They hold your, your contract, your legal status in the country. And they do offer a lot of benefits in the sense of they'll take care of a lot of that legal stuff, which can be a real pain. Um, and there's a lot of other things that you offer some stability with your salary, things like that. But if you want true freedom and a true ability to own your, your life and make decisions for yourself and choose where you're living and to be able to also, if you go somewhere, like I know you've been living there for a long time, but when we first moved to Thailand before we moved to Portugal, it ended up being a, a kind of a disaster in a lot of ways. We had beautiful experiences there, but we had some really hard ones too. And to be able to, you know, one day my husband and I were just, it was a really hard period and we just looked at each other and we're like, we chose this, we can choose something else. And to have that power and freedom to be able to truly like do what you want um, in a smart way, right, is is so powerful. I'd love to hear a little bit about you building this business that you have and how like what are some some of the strategies or I guess just some of the things that you have done to create a location independent global remote um, business that supports your balanced life, gives you flexibility, allows you to live in Spain, allows you to support a staff that's that's global and allows them to live great lives. Tell me a little bit about that and share a little bit of your, your journey and your advice for others who are desiring to be on a similar path. Hmm, that's a lot of questions in one, but... <laughs> um, just con just guess, condense all of your was... wisdom into one very concise reply, Shaheem. <laughs> Uh, well, I, uh, answering the first part of the question, I mean, actually, our um, business in the beginning wasn't so lo location independent. It always kind of was, but it, we we had a hybrid um, model since the beginning. Um, back in 2016, we we actually had an office in Madrid, and um, and it, but we always only went to the office two days a week, so it was kind of silly that we ever had an office. <laughs> but um, but we went there to have our team meetings and. Um, and we thought that like the office was important and was like this element that like brought us all together. Um, but at some point I was thinking, if, I mean, we're not using, we never used the office very much. It was always optional to go. And then I was, we really closed the office. And also I wanted to move out of Madrid. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was thinking I, I had wanted to come back to Malaga pretty much ever since I moved to Madrid because I, I had, well, I was in, I studied in Madrid. I did my first job in Malaga. Then I moved back to Madrid for another job and so forth. And then I started my company there. So, um, so I'd always wanted to come back to the coast and, uh, having this like fixed location in Madrid wasn't like, was kind of going against that. <laughs> so I was already, um, planning to, to eventually go fully remote. Um, but then, uh, after, a few years of having an office um and then obviously the pandemic happened and i actually had my um like was already planning to move to malaga that year like was it, that was the plan um in may we were going to move we had to push it back a little bit because of confinement um but i was actually planning to move to malaga but still have the office in madrid and maybe someday close it uh, but then when the pandemic happened we we're like okay let's just shut down the office um and then 
Um, yeah, so so from some since then we've been fully remote, and actually since then half of our team has like moved to other cities as well. Um, like we were all based in Madrid before, and yeah, it's just proven that it. I mean, it works really well. And actually, I don't know why we didn't do just work that way from the beginning, um, but it's there was a little bit of resistance from some of the team, but I think like in the end, everyone really uh, really appreciates it, the flexibility that it gives us all now. So. What's enabled you to move into that? Um, so I had a little bit of a different story in that I was a solopreneur with no mm -hmm. team. And then I hired my first very part-time person right before we moved to Thailand because I knew I was going to need more support. Um, and then I've grown my team over the years, right? So we moved to Thailand in 2018, but you have a much, much larger team than I do. And you had already established a certain way of working but that way of working, as you said, was kind of tethering you to a location. In my case, I think it was more of a mindset shift and how I was marketing myself because I wasn't working really at all with local clients. I didn't have a team locally, but it was in how I was kind of showing up in my calls, in my marketing and, you know, everything that I was doing that I had to really change. And it was a lot of it was internal, a lot of fear connected to you know, what are people going to think? Will people still want to work with me if I don't live in the U.S. anymore? Will they not trust me because I'm, you know, abroad? Um, and it ended up being the total opposite because um, actually people are that have similar ideals and mindsets are attracted to people that are living in alignment with their values. So for me, it was a lot of internal. It was not so much a people challenge and, and company culture challenge. How did you make that shift? I mean, you had to because of COVID, but what did you do to enable that kind of shift within your company so that it worked? Well, I was thinking, I think that in terms of culture, we, that was definitely, we, we kind of, we've always been in like an international team and very flexible in terms of schedule and things like that. Always been like totally results-based. Like as long as you're doing your work, we don't care what hours you're working basically, as long as you're replying to clients and doing your job. Um, so that same, um, that, that's been kind of our ethos from the beginning. And I, uh, since our team is so international, we also have like most people really value being able to have that flexibility and be able to go back to their home country, being able to work from different places. We've, we've always, um, encouraged that I'd say since the beginning. And that's why I was saying it was like completely, I don't know why we ever really had an office. It wasn't, it didn't actually fit with that very much, but um, it was kind of like a nice to have a, a place where we could meet up once in a while, but now it's like, that, that obviously didn't make any sense anymore. Um, so, but yeah, I guess a big difference in our stories is that I started my business in Spain. So it, it, I started with the same context <laughs> and yeah. our, and our biz in our client base has always been international as well. Um, although increasingly, yeah, pretty much we have very few new clients coming from Spain. Almost all of our clients are outside of Spain. So oh, that's, that, that's another, yeah, that's another reason why we we didn't actually need to physically be in, <laughs> in a specific location. Mm. Yeah. So on my end, I actually started my business when we were living in the Dominican Republic and then built it in Vietnam and then Ohio and then Idaho. But we were in Idaho for eight years. And so I think when you're in a location for eight years and it's your hometown, so Boise is my hometown, um, it was easy to kind of get in that mindset of like, oh, this is where I am now. I also had an office. So it was like also I remember getting my office and thinking, oh, my business is like, turning into something, you know, I had this, mm -hmm. I have an office now. 
And, um, and I remember just thinking that was so important. And then, then <laughs> I haven't had one since it like you, and there is something about that, like fluidity and also recognizing that there, the whole world is your customer base, your client base, and it opens up so much opportunity. Um, but I love that you had that mindset already for me. I kind of had it, but I think I hadn't put, I hadn't put it to the test in a, as a real grown up because I started my business when I was 24 and, you know, I didn't have kids and stuff. So moving and really having to put it to the test was, was a, a really interesting, like risk and learning experience. I wanted to kind of on this vein, a little bit of a different direction. I wanted to hear from you on some of the the challenges that you've overcome in your entrepreneurial and personal journey moving from the US and living abroad. Because um, I don't know if you have family around. I, for me, that's been a huge challenge. Or what are some of the things that you have you have overcome or faced, whether it's business related, personal, that you know you've you've moved past and and um, and overcome along the way. Um, yeah. So, well, as I mentioned, I started my business in Spain, so I don't know how it would have compared to like starting a business in the U.S. necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I think the whole like Spain is to me seems like a good place to start a business because it's the only experience I've had and things have gone fairly well for me here. Like they do say there's a lot of red tape and and so forth, but uh, maybe I, 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 we mentioned at the beginning that I have this website called Spain Guru, which actually, I don't know, like um, it's true that there's a lot of like things that I've had to figure out along the way, but I've kind of had fun documenting that and sharing my <laughs> my learnings of how to get through the red tape with others. And that's what the whole thing of that's what Spain Guru is about is about all these legal processes in Spain it's about immigration starting a business and all that stuff um and what I've learned and shared that with there's experiences as well so I think that's been I don't know kind of a fun opportunity to figure things out in a new context um obviously there's like the tax issues as well <laughs> of being an American living abroad you have to file taxes in two places that's a pain but I find like these things have been more minor convenient inconveniences than like real challenges um and also like you kind of mentioned having that like network of people that's definitely something when you just not only change cities but change countries like you know when I first got here I definitely felt like a bit fish out of water and I had been uh when I lived in Cleveland I was a reporter at the local newspaper so I felt like an important person in Cleveland and a lot of people knew who I was <laughs> and then when I got to Spain I was like just uh you know nobody in Spain basically and I couldn't even communicate with people very well <laughs> so why would anyone want to do business with me right so it took me time to like build up my confidence and my reputation and I was working uh, several years at a, in well in different jobs and as a freelancer before I decided to take the leap and start a business I don't know if it's something I could have done when I like first arrived um or maybe I think it yeah it's, if I just arrived now then probably yes <laughs> if I, it depends where I also where I was at in my professional development as well like I think okay. I was just more in a different place when I first got here well you were young and developing your skills I mean I, I think about that with myself as well it took me I mean I was learning my craft as I was building my business right and so people, you know, I mean, a lot of people that want to leave a corporate role or, you know, even start some kind of side hustle or something to, you know, in addition to what they're doing. And they're not starting from 
24, 27, nothing, like you have no experience. And I mean, I had some, and I know you did too. You were a journalist. I had, you know, done some internships. I'd been a teacher, things like that. But you really, uh, both of us were kind of building our careers and, and all of that. And so anybody that's like in their 30s or 40s or 50s or beyond who wants to start something new, they're not starting from where we did. They have this whole network and you know, experience and um, value to the marketplace, actually, more than I did anyway. I guess I'll speak for myself on that one. So I think that's a really encouraging message for anybody that's like trying to, who's, who's thinking about a venture like this. Yeah, absolutely. And now like we're talking about, I was thinking about it as I was saying it, because it's true that it took me time to like build up my network in Spain. And a lot of my first clients were uh, Spanish, but actually the business I started then is really different to the business that I have now. And my business is really international. So if I was going, starting the business I have now and knew what I was doing, like, I think I could have done it even without having connections in Spain, basically. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a great point. I would love to hear just one or two things on the flip side of that that have been just beautiful and surprising to you about life abroad. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's been surprising to me about life abroad? Yeah, like in a positive way, because we just talked through some of the challenges and I'd love to hear mm -hmm. a little bit of one or two things that, you know, wow, this was a real surprise for me moving into this different life, running a business from, you know, from this location and kind of living in this different way than mm -hmm. I was raised or society expected me to, mm -hmm. to live in the U.S. I mean, I guess one thing, I mean, in terms of like an advantage of doing business, I think for, for me has been, especially in my space, which is like marketing and communications, I mean, um, being like an American, I feel like makes me automatically an expert in this subject <laughs> in the eyes of a lot of Europeans. <laughs> it's so, true. It's true. <laughs> um, and obviously it helps that I have a background in that, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, you're kind of special being an American in Europe. So <laughs> that's been it. That's been an advantage. Um, yeah. And then, well, in terms of I mean, in terms of just like positive things of living abroad, I mean, obviously there's so many. <laughs> um, yeah, just, I mean, what I love, I think about being in Europe is just like the multi multiculturalism and like the opportunity, obviously being in Spain, is just a place that so many people come to. So you get to meet people from absolutely everywhere here. Mm. Um, so that's really like enriching and I really enjoy that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think for me, one of the things that being in that environment has done is it has removed the expectations from because when when I was home, I had friends that were all kind of doing things a certain way. And whether or not I wanted to do it exactly that way, I internalized a lot of that. And I judged my own decisions, especially around parenting and things like that, based on what other people were doing. I think that's a natural human human behavior, right? But being in this different environment where everybody I meet is doing something differently based on their cultural background or their life experiences, I think it has removed some of the pressure of what I should be doing and allowed me to really kind of be in the world in a way that's really aligned for our family. And just not that I wasn't making, I'm sure some of my decisions before and probably still we're very influenced by others, but I think it's it's removed a lot of that influence and really allowed us to just like fully own our life 
in a way that I wasn't doing before. Have you felt that at all? Has that been a similar experience or, or have you had a different, different feeling about that? Yeah, I think I'm someone who's like always definitely followed my intuition and taken big risks in life. And I feel like I, I never, not to, uh, I don't know, like, I want to say I, I, it's not that I don't care what other people think, because I do. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. But um, no, just I, I think when I told people I wanted to move abroad, I did uh, face a lot of like, people being like, oh, how are you going to, like, not, it was a, a mix of skeptic skepticism and, um, I don't know, like, people being impressed by it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, it was this yeah. big deal. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, <laughs> or, But then some people being like, how are you going to do that? But what about your job? What about, you know, and because I was, like, kind of leaving behind my career and mm. to, to live abroad or, and, and also it was kind of risky that even though I did have a leave of absence and the op, uh, supposed option to come back that my, my company was going through like downsizing at the time so it's kind of like a chance my job wouldn't be there when I came back I guess um so but I don't know I didn't really view it as being a huge risk I mean I was like I, I mean like I said I was 27 I was yeah, leaving my nine to five, I was a little, I'm just someone who just always needs a new thing. And I was just kind of like, okay, I've been doing this job for a few years. Like I want to do something else now. <laughs> so, um, so that was kind of just my, my excuse, I guess. But um, yeah, so I don't know. It's just, but also just like, yeah, the whole thing of, of I, I guess because I was already, I'd already given up the nine to five a long time ago at that point, when it came time to like starting my business, I didn't get so much push back on that because it's like well <laughs> I don't know I was already freelancing and doing doing my own thing at that point anyway so people are already like she's crazy anyway she just, <laughs> yeah. <you> know, <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. uh, okay so I want to make sure we have some space to talk content because that's what you're an expert in and it would be uh, remiss of me to miss out on that opportunity and mm -hmm. and specifically just to tie the pull that thread through on the conversation we've been having for me, content has been the real growth engine of my business. It's been how, when we made this move, I communicated to my clients. It's how I have scaled my brand. It's how my clients have scaled their brands. And in my world, that's book, you know, a book and related content around their thought leadership. And so I really wanna take an opportunity to, to learn from you on, on content and share with our audience some strategies that they can do to really develop consistency and be successful in their content creation. So I would love for you to share, you know, many of many listeners have maybe published a few pieces of content and maybe they have tried their hand at some social media. Some are more advanced. I know a number of listeners have really strong thought leadership platforms. What do you advise for those that are kind of in that like start stop cycle and they haven't really fully leaned into consistency and solid messaging? What would your advice be for them in really honing or really tapping into content to support the growth of their their brands and businesses from a consistency standpoint? in like being consistent with their messaging, their topics, and actually creating and publishing their content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, the first step obviously is like thinking through your strategy and figuring out an angle for your content that's gonna resonate with your with your audience. So 
deciding like this is the kind of content that I'm going to do because this is what my my audience wants to know about. Um, and once you've decided that angle, then creating processes on how you're going to consistently publish content around that. Um, for in my agency, uh, so much of what we do is is involves processes. I mean, because we're doing content creation on such a big scale and we're doing it in different languages, you have to be really organized and um, create. We create style guides for each of the languages. Um, obviously training manuals for all the new people who are onboarded and all this stuff. So we're we're a documentation company almost as much as we're a, <laughs> a content creation company. Um, and I, but I think just the process doesn't need to be complex. Of course, if you can like take advantage of automation tools, it's going to help you do your work faster. There's tons of tools out there for creating content calendars, for scheduling things, for, um, yeah, for assigning tasks and making your work more organized. But I think the important thing is to have a process, any process that you know you can do every week or and um, and do it consistently. And uh, one thing too is just make sure that whatever whatever level of publishing that you commit to that you it's it's an amount that you can that you can keep doing that you're not going to like let your audience down by not publishing one week or uh whatever your cadence is like because when you're publishing on a certain cadence that's what your audience starts to expect mm -hmm. um and then in terms of like how well also i wanted to mention one one thing for being able to come up with like lots of content is to have um bigger pieces of content that then you can repurpose into into smaller pieces. And obviously you're an expert on that with, because <laughs> if you have a book, obviously you've already thought through, you've got tons of ideas and, and content in there that you can then use in different ways. Um, but also one thing I like to do is, uh, is, is repurpose content based on interviews. And that's what we do a lot in our own, um, in our own marketing for Vera content, as you know, you've been on my podcast. So, <laughs> and we repurpose a lot of content from podcasts. Um, it's a great way to like uh, get ideas from others, and uh, and then another idea I'll throw out there <laughs> is um, if you are doing all your content on your own, that can be a lot. And I think even having someone helping you just a couple of hours a week, if you hire an assistant, um, can really create accountability for yourself because uh, it's it's just someone else that you have to talk to every week who's involved in your content process. So. Yeah, that's huge. That's a huge piece. Um, I do want to make sure to shout out your podcast because it's a really excellent podcast. The content mix, correct, is yes. the title. Yes, I'm like, I, I remember. Yes, that's correct. So it's really good. Actually, before we ever I was ever on your podcast, we had connected and uh, through, through an entrepreneurs group that we're in. And I listened to some episodes and I was like, this is really valuable. So for anybody who is really looking to up level their content, highly, highly recommend your podcast. But that was a little so tangent. I, I want to build on your point about getting support. So obviously, if somebody has a larger business, especially one that is going global or entering new markets, working with somebody like you makes so much sense and it will remove a lot of that that burden from of that like just needing to not only create but also proofread publish repurpose all that stuff for people with maybe a solopreneur or side hustle or maybe a small team i know for me that i kept having that kind of start stop thing where i would get going with content and then like a big client project would come up and then i would have to pause it and then it was very inconsistent so my two huge things that changed everything for me, one was a proofreader for everything. So all I had to do was create the content and then I could trust that it was going to be corrected before it went out into the world. 
And then the other piece was a team member who took care of everything post-creation. So basically, all I had to do was create the thing. And then I had a team that would find the image and publish the post or publish the podcast episode, make sure everything's correct in it. And for me, that was the only way. There was no other way I was going to be consistent because there's so many little pieces and parts to it that it just makes it so challenging. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think when you have um, just any external players involved, like I was saying, even if it's just uh, someone who is the one who edits your podcast or, or whatever it is, um, then you've committed to that person that you're going to send them the four podcast episodes every month or whatever. So it just creates a accountability for yourself in a way. Yeah. And you don't do things as last minute too, because like if you're, if you have somebody editing your podcast, you can't get it to them the day before it goes live. You have to get it to them at least a week early, for example. So you have to be organized to create instructions for that person. Yeah. Yes, you do. Um, Cause it's also unfair to expect people to work on a crazy last minute deadline all the time. I love that. So I would love before we kind of wrap up to just talk a little bit about the types of clients that you work with, who, what are the type of people that would seek out a company like yours and, um, and how do you kind of help them reach that, that next level with their content? Um, yeah, so we work with like medium to large companies that are operating um, in multiple international markets. Um, most commonly, we're working with American companies that are looking to like expand into their brand into Europe because um, we're really expert in, in European markets and um, managing blogs and social media pages in, in the different languages like we talked about. And basically, um, I mean, we work with uh, across a lot of different industries. Um, we do a lot of like consumer products and managing social media pages for those products. Um, but we also do B2B and we've done a lot of like B2B blog, more thought leadership content creation, oftentimes based on interviews. Like we talked about, we we conduct the interviews. We um, will even create a podcast for a client, but then we will um, then use that to repurpose for different, different types of content because with B2B, it requires a lot of, insider knowledge that we, we need to source from from the client so yeah this is the, the kinds of clients that we're working with and we're basically helping them uh localize their content for for different markets and really resonate and connect with with the local audiences yeah it's such a great a great service for companies that want to really effectively enter new markets. So thank you so much for sharing your, I mean, we had a good mix of like personal journey, entrepreneurial journey, content, us, a good mix of all that. I really appreciate your time and energy today. I'd love for you to share a little bit about where people can find you. And if there's something that you're most excited about right now in the work that you're doing, I'd love to hear about that too. Yeah. Um, well, definitely the best place to learn more about what we do is at veracontent.com. Um, we're getting some great client stories up, so I'm excited about that. And then also, um, as you mentioned at the beginning, we have this com- community for content creators. Um, and we're also, we're always looking for um, writers as well. So definitely for anyone who's a writer or content creator looking for for work. <laughs> Get oh, you might be getting us. a lot of emails after the <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> a lot yeah. of 
<laughs> Great. <laughs> we have a lot of uh, resources, both for uh, marketers and for content creators um, on our blog, which is at veracontent.com slash mix. It's also where you can find our podcast and our community, uh, Facebook community. And then um, also I have this other website, which is a total side project, but it's called Spain Guru. And that's all about moving to Spain. So anyone interested in moving to Spain can <laughs> check out spainguru.es. And um, of course, to connect with me personally, you can find me on LinkedIn, Shaheen Samavati. Uh, this was so fun. I really appreciate your time. And thank you. Thanks for sharing your story and teaching us more about the world of content. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. This podcast is produced by me, Stacey Ennis. Special thanks to Daniel Alexander for sound editing and Catherine Fishman for project support. These two make the show possible and I'm grateful. You can always access show notes, including any links mentioned in this episode at stacyennis.com slash podcast. And you can connect with me at stacyennis.com, on Instagram at Stacy Ennis, or on Facebook at Stacy Ennis Creative. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Here's to building lives that are beyond better. Mm-hmm.